0: Welcome to Balance Two, and thank you for joining us. We couldn't do this without you, so I pray you continue to support our endeavors while we take this journey together during these very troubled times. Now, in this episode, I'm going to talk about how we can prevent a social-civil war, and how this ominous cloud of conflict continues to encapsulate different segments of our lives and cause an upsurge of anger. Just hit me up at services at gmail.com if you have a show, small or large. And if you're interested in further discussing this topic, uh, don't forget to visit us also anytime at balanceddue.org. Now, first, I've termed this topic um, as the social civil war because societal organizations and certain people are pushing this hateful rhetoric in the media on social networks, which has been quite lucrative in some cases, but very detrimental in others, you know, as it pertains to the uh, potentiality of a civil war. Now, the propaganda that's moving us, either directly or indirectly, is causing a breakup of a godly companionship. God wants us all to get along. He favors no one race over the other. We are all made in the image of God. And for those that think they are better than their counterparts, it's an abomination against God. It's a sacrilege. And I'm here to tell you today, there will be severe cost to pay for such actions and thoughts, either here on earth or after your physical life ends in the spiritual realm. I mean, if we can't get along here on earth, what makes you think heaven is a place for you? A place where you think you'll fit in? You think there's only white people in heaven? Do You think there's only black people in heaven? Uh, You think any one nationality or culture are the only dwellers in heaven? If that's your philosophy, may God have mercy on your soul because heaven may not be the place for you. I believe with better communication, entertainment, and wealth distribution, we can turn this polarization into a more acceptable form of civil discourse. Because, hey, look here, I'm not living in fantasy land. Nobody's going to agree on everything. But can't we just all get along? Can't we agree to disagree, or in spite of our differences, still focus on being a productive society? Because nobody wins in a war. I mean, last time we had a civil war in this country, it was disastrous and inauspicious. More military personnel were killed in the Civil War than killed in World War One and World War Two. Not to mention the rather obvious aspects of of a civil war in this country. I mean... Uh, it definitely wouldn't be a proxy where it be fought here. So there'd be more civilian casualties. And the aftermath... the aftermath... what was the aftermath of the civil war we had in this country? Well, we ended up losing the president shortly after. Uh, race relations didn't get better uh, because of the war. Of course, slavery was abolished and that was a good thing but I'm speaking from uh, in terms of uh, mental and physiological perspective race relations actually got worse I mean a declaration of war ending didn't end the anger and resentment on one end and the superiority complex and the racism on the other end the relationship to this very day between minorities and whites is still under construction a certain segment of people wish the Confederates won and slavery was never abolished. And those type have an apoplectic hate. A generational type of racism and hate. They even have a yearly reenactments of the Civil War. A celebration in their eyes. And I reiterate, war can intensify hate. Long after it's been declared over. In the hearts and minds. We should remember this. And it takes time to build back better after war. So all this infrastructure and all these programs, it won't won't mean nothing if there's a civil war. That's one of the reasons why all these rich guys are in this space race. They want to get space habitable and colonized so they and their loved ones are shielded from what could potentially happen here on Earth. That's why, in my opinion, this current administration should have made voting rights a top priority. If people lose confidence in the government institutions, the democracy will die and wars of all types will culminate. The media, in my opinion, should start focusing on the implications in the aftermath of war. People sometimes forget how hard it is to build back better after a war. Just ask Germany. I mean, people were displaced, roaming around the country, often robbing and stealing and looting just to survive. Transportation and communication services had ceased to function properly. Agriculture and industry were largely at a standstill. Food was scarce and there was a serious risk of famine and disease during the coming months. And the government, it took a while to rise out of that harsh era. I will say this as it pertains to the media and the evil element. They are winning the messaging war. They are winning the message war, messaging war on hate and racism. I'm not going to say we can solve all our problems. However, I believe we can at least start a productive conversation among opposing sides. I believe this. The way that we craft the messaging is everything. For example, when a message is repeated with a collective group of storytellers espousing the same message different ways, it starts to resonate. You know, in speaking in terms of theory, repetition is used to make a point, link ideas, emphasize a word, give rhythm, and create a flow. Repetition creates long-term memory by eliciting and enacting strong chemical interactions at the synapses of your neurons. Neurons connecting to other neurons. Some people call it multiple trace theory. Which is a memory consolidation model. It posits that each time some information is presented to a person, it is neurally encoded in a unique memory trace composed of a combination of its attributes. For example, this AFAC commercial is a perfect example. You know, I was talking to a friend about a, a football team and, and couldn't remember the name of the coach. So all of a sudden, this Aflac commercial comes on, you know, and uh, De- Deion Sanders, uh, known as primetime during his uh, heyday and, and the uh, Austin, ostentatious persona that he has, uh, the gold and rings, the marching band, the, the, the music, the dancers, the, the duck and the combination of all that helped to inspire my memory. When the coach appeared in the commercial, and I said to myself, oh, that's Nick Saban the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide coach. So that, all those elements together uh, caused that uh, emotional recall and uh, brought that thought back fast and crystal clear. Now let's talk about how this relates to this current hateful partisanship that we're experiencing today, which is bringing this country to the precipice of civil war, which is, uh, in, in my opinion, this critical race theory which is proof that this memory consolidation model works. Now, critical race theory is supposedly, and I quote, according to a group of scholars in the Wikipedia, uh, a framework of analysis and an academic movement of civil rights scholars and activists who seek to examine the intersection of race and law in the United States. Critical race theory scholars in the 70s and 80s began reworking expanding critical legal studies, theories on class and economic structure and the law to interrogate the role of U.S. law in perpetuating racism unquote now first I don't think I would use that word interrogate if anything American law has been known for its interrogating of blacks and minorities of all the lower population for well over hundreds and hundreds of years and the laws were made for and by white people So, you know, all this academic jargon, in other words, sounds like another name for systemic racism, which I quote, is a form of racism that is embedded in the laws and regulation of a society or organization. It manifests its discrimination in areas such as criminal justice, employment, housing, healthcare, education, and political representation. Uh, In other words, an investigation into the underhanded machinations of racism in America and how it's able to perpetuate and infiltrate all the different institutions. The ones from what I hear people are losing confidence in at an alarming rate. Now, the reason why I use this critical race theory example is because the argument has gained a lot of traction with, certain, with a certain segment of people and in certain institutions. These people are so misguided and bamboozled they are against something that doesn't even really exist, you know, as it pertains to education or classroom cu- curriculum. But the narrative about it on all these different memory consolidation mechanisms has caused it to come to life and resonate among the easily influenced and manipulated. The narrative is articulated on news shows, talk shows, politicians are using the talking points to fire up their base, celebrities talk about it, social networks, media publications. Now, some of the implications and effectiveness of this process, the educational institutions are under constant attack. Now the members on school boards are being threatened. Good teachers are being fired. Racist politicians getting elected, racist legislation being crafted. In other words, a carefully crafted strategy to try to whitewash history. Hitler and Nazi Germany did the exact same thing as, as the Republicans are doing. They got rid of all the books and rebranded their own racist doctrine. And turned, tried to turn it into an untrue utopia. So... The powers that be have framed this racist narrative as a way to amplify the underpins of racism that still exist in this country in the hearts and minds of the easily influenced, manipulated, and misguided. And used it as a way to redirect the attention from what's really going on and turn it toward hateful uh, rhetoric. While simultaneously, they continue to hoard and steal all the wealth, meanwhile influencing, blame, and instigating fights amongst the poor and middle class of all races. The same playbook they always use when the economy tanks. It's the minority's fault. Germany did the same thing, blame the Jews. It's the outsider's fault. They're taking over. They're... Taking over our way of life, they're, they're taking over the money, they're taking over, uh, they're making our children think we're evil. All this now, now here the the critical race theory lie, you know it's it's uh, quite alarming because it, it, to hear this lie, it's it's uh, it's it's part of the playbook that a lot of countries use, especially uh, dictatorships. They attack the culture, the education, and they uh, uh, try to perpetuate that narrative that the other race of people are evil and it's all their fault. They've, they, this is this is a regular playbook that's going out through, through throughout the world. Uh, and I reiterate, critical race theory is not a school curriculum. History class is. And some parents are not happy with a more accurate depiction of history. Here's a little food for thought to prove my point. The school history lessons were never even an afterthought before all this partisanship and polarization. This is a perpetual attempt by the Freedom Caucus and other repulsive Republicans to overthrow the government. It has a lot to do with the coup attempt. And it starts with manipulating the vulnerable hearts and minds. This is an attempt to rewrite history and turn our government into an autocracy with a Republican dictator with the sole power and control over the American narrative. Nobody cared about the history books over all these hundreds of years made minorities feel inferior to whites as it pertains to American history. While I was in grade school, all I learned in history was that blacks were slaves. And then came Martin Luther King Jr., who, who got shot for speaking out. The evil element, I reiterate, is winning the messaging war. And all they're doing is following that same playbook. Look here, most people know, history is told by the victors. That's a quote attributed to Winston Churchill, which I believe to be true. People, we must realize, history is not always grounded in facts. Rather, it's the winner's interpretation of them that usually prevails. The victors forced their narrative down on the people of the lesser populated race, and they used their money and power to facilitate this process, which has been the case in education and media, publications, programming across America for hundreds of years now. Look here, I'm black and Indian a little further down on my ancestral chart, and I'm still investigating parts, the white parts. But the part that I found out so far is rather disappointing. You know, It's hard to fathom that uh, I could be related to a very famous Confederate general. That's rather disappointing. But anyway, like I said, when I was in school, Indians were branded much like the terrorists of today. They were interpreted as being stiflers of financial progress, um, labeled as staging, uh, unwarranted attacks on the peaceful white folks. And they weren't good barbers, as was told by the historians of uh, General Custard. None of this is true. The Indians were just defending their land, which is the side of the story a conqueror or colonizer would never espouse. Now the instrument of this propaganda, predicated by the media, the entertainment business, controlled by the powers that be, used these tactics to solidify in the hearts and minds of the dominant race you know, and in terms of population, that you are superior to the minority race. And they make sure media programming, history, uh, it all works lock in lock and step, you know, to solidify those certain uh, sentiments. Sometimes directly, in some cases indirectly, the narrative inspires the minority race to believe they're just subjects rather than leaders, rather than decision makers, rather than generators of wealth. And they bury any kind of history that states otherwise, so that they can continue to justify the big lie. The big strategy they present, whether in politics, uh, entertainment, business, or religion, they they have their their uh, stars that they want you to worship. You know, they give them the platform to impress upon the masses that they are divine, they are anointed by God. Uh, omniscient, omnipresent, always right, unapologetic, while simultaneously espousing that superiority narrative, keeping under wraps the killing of the competition and the theft of power and the control of the resources. And now that the color of the dominant population is gradually changing, they're working overtime to maintain the sustainability of those systemic mechanisms. Look here, critical race theory is a false narrative. It plays into white fear, which is a large part helped get some moderate Democrats and a lot of Republicans elected for office this past term. Power and race changes over time. And we can always learn from the truth. Whitewashing history doesn't work in terms of how it pertains to educating ourselves or children. Learning the truth makes people more relatable to different nationalities of people, more open to different subsets of opinions, makes them more able to step outside of themselves and look at life outside of their own lens, which is a very invaluable tool. I mean, in terms of communicating, maturing, and prospering as they ascend to adulthood. We can all learn from atrocities and become better people because of it. In conclusion, if you want true change in dialogue, it starts with honesty. It resonates in the hearts and minds. The last thing we need now is a litany of lies. We need truth more than ever before. And the Lord says the truth shall set you free. Well, that concludes today's podcast. Thank you for supporting Balance Do. We're a veteran-owned, black tax-exempt nonprofit organization. All proceeds from do- donations go to a further our message of inspiration, positivity, and spiritual guidance, all geared towards strengthening the community. We need your continued support. We need all the support we can get, and it's hard to get these days. You know, whether it's listening to our podcast, reviewing it, sharing it volunteering or donating or being a guest on our show. For more info on upcoming events, podcast programs or news services, please visit our web website at balancedroom.org. And remember, we don't bend, we don't break. We keep it together for heaven's sake. Let's take this journey together, folks. And remember, God blesses those that bless others. Listen to the advice and accept discipline and in the end, you'll be counted among the wise. Have a happy new year, everybody, and God bless. Hope to see you soon. Peace.